0: Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church. And I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. It's at home. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Tonight, I will be taught. From the ever-living, incorruptible seed of the Word of God, I will never, ever, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, y'all ready to jump into Bible school tonight? Let's go ahead and read our our scripture here in Hebrews text, chapter 5. How many of y'all have learned something on the big six? All right, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, it says this, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teacheth you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. I don't know about you, I don't want to stay a babe in my walk with Christ for the rest of my life. Doug, good to see you on a Wednesday. And then verse 14, but strong meat belongs to them that are full age or full age. Even those who by by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. If you were here the first night, that's what... Or the third night, sorry. That's what we talked about. The print, repentance of dead works. Can we all agree that you can't have a faith in God and first you've, until you have first repented? And you've got to understand the importance of repentance. Of an about face. Of going the other direction. This is not remorse. But this is repentance. Amen? We're changing the way we talk. We're changing the way we walk. We're living a whole different life. And then the next one is a faith toward God. Lots of people have faith in healing. They have faith in miracles. They have faith in uh, other things, but it's important that we have a foundation of our faith in Christ. Why that's important is because you're supposed to share your faith with other people. That That is not all on the pastors. That is not all on the leadership or whatever. Uh, you've got to have, you've got to know it's nothing what you've done, but it's everything God has done for you. And so that's having a faith toward God. And if you Didn't get the notes on that. You can't get them. And then the doctrine of of baptisms. We talked about all three. The baptism of the blood, the baptism of the water, and the baptism of the oil. All three are very vital and important. How many of y'all learned something on the laying on of hands? I kind of had fun putting that together. We've seen laying on of hands before, but we didn't understand it. But from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament, the book of Acts, uh, laying on of hands... Book, uh, 2 Timothy, how important it is, the laying on of hands. And tonight is the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. If you were on this morning, how many of y'all believe in the rapture of the church? Amen. I kind of uh, was scrolling through TikTok and saw these heretics on there talking about uh, uh, the, the rapture of the church is just to scare people to get saved and all this different garbage and said that it's not a real thing. And I, 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 this is my heart's desire for you tonight. If you really get an understanding of this teaching of the resurrection of the dead, you will not live in fear. You will not be afraid to die. Amen? Because death has no sting, the Bible says. And so, uh, um, and and that's why it's important that we have a faith in Christ. But I just see it so vital and important. Isn't it amazing how the Word of God works, how it goes from repentance? If you don't have repentance, you can't have a faith in God. But if you don't have a faith in God, you're not going to understand doctrine of baptism or the laying on of hands or the resurrection of the dead or eternal judgment. So it goes in the right order for the right purpose. So let's start off here. Death has no sting. Have you ever had a loved one die? If they are a believer. The grip of sorrow is not as traumatic as one that uh, we're not sure of. First, you need to know that the body lying in the casket is not really them. It was just a vessel they had lived in during their lifetime. And according to 2 Corinthians 5, 8, they're already in the presence of the Lord. Also, their body had been raised in power. And if, if you're a believer, too, you can have a glorious reunion in heaven one day. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, let's look at that. It says, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Isn't that a great guarantee for us? In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 42, it says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. So, this is an amazing truth that is absolutely foundational to our faith. For our faith is securely rooted, securely rooted in a firm belief in the resurrection of the dead. The Bible tells us clearly that because of Christ's resurrection and our own future resurrection, the sting has been taken out of death. In 1 Corinthians 15 55, this is where we see it. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? In 1 Corinthians 15, 26, we see the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Death is indeed an enemy. Would you all agree? But because of Christ's resurrection and his promise of our own resurrection, death is not something we need to fear. We need to get a revelation of this truth and build it strong into the foundation of our faith in Christ. I hope you're starting to see a little more clearly why the resurrection of the dead was included on the list of elementary doctrines in Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, and why it must be such a strong cement of truth in your spiritual foundation. So let's dig deeper to discover more about this fundamental doctrine. What does resurrection mean? Our belief in Jesus' resurrection is part of the bedrock of our faith. In fact, if we don't believe in Christ's resurrection and our own future resurrection, we really don't have anything to base our faith on. In 1 Corinthians 15, 14, it says, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Did you hear that? And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and our faith is empty. This is confirmed by the fact that the resurrection from the dead is empty. ...included in this list of fundamental doctrines in Hebrews 6. That means it is a part of the foundation that upholds everything else we believe... ...and it is critical for us to understand it. This word translated resurrection throughout the New Testament... ...is the compound Greek word anastasis. The word ana means to repeat something or to do it again. The word stasis is the Greek word that simply means to stand. When you compound the two words together... The new word means to stand again. I mean, y'all believe Jesus stood again. To stand upright or to be raised from the dead. So this is the very meaning of resurrection as Jesus used it in John eleven twenty five when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Let's look at it. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Are you beginning to see why you shouldn't fear death? In this particular case in John chapter 11, Jesus was speaking about a physical resurrection, but Jesus' resurrection power is not limited to just the physical realm. Jesus is anastasis. That means if you have been knocked down by life, if your emotions have been crushed, if your finances have been negatively impacted, if you're down in an area, in any area of your life, the resurrection power of Jesus can cause you to stand up again. Amen. Come on. I hope you get that tonight. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The word resurrection is the Greek word anastasis. It was the equivalent of saying, I am stand again power. Somebody needs to hear that tonight, that Jesus is still the stand again power. If you've been knocked flat, if you're de- uh, if you're, uh, even if you're dead, he said, I have the power to put you on your feet again. I am the power who causes people to stand up again. I am the power who will raise you back to life. It is glorious news to know that Jesus will one day raise you from the dead. But you also need to know that if you've been knocked flat by life, Jesus is your resurrection right now, tonight, at this moment. As you embrace him and his grace, he'll put you on your feet again. He is anastasis. He is resurrection itself. He is stand-up power. That one thought is enough to get you moving toward the victory that is ahead of you. His power is sufficient to raise you up, to stand strong in the midst of every single battle. All right, our guarantee. Let's look at this, 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen through 20. It says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ... We are all men the most uh, pitiable. Is that how you say that? Pitiable. Sorry. Pitiable. But now Christ... It said it worse than that in the King James. That's why I use New King. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So here, Paul was stating that Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead... Is the guarantee that we also will be raised from the dead. You see it? Christ was the first fruits. His resurrection is the promise that another harvest of resurrections will follow after him. When you study the Old Testament, you find three examples of resurrection of people who were raised from the dead. And uh, we might as well read all of these because we're in Bible school. First, First Kings chapter 17, verse 17, it says, Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried her, him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. I mean, y'all believe he can still do that today. Amen. In 2, or 2 Kings chapter 4, we see another uh, illustration of this. When Elisha came into the house, there was a, the child lying dead on his bed. He went, he went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and, laid on, uh, and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes. I love this story. And his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth into the house and, and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. In 2 Kings, here's another illustration. Um, then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the, and the raiding bands from Moab invading the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha, and when the man was let down, I feel like I could preach right now, and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Y'all believe these are stories to build our faith, amen? So however, there are more than uh, just three pointed out in the Old Testament. Uh, There is more that I could take you to uh, because... Even in Hebrews eleven thirty five, 35, it says that there were many women who received their dead back to life again. What is Hebrews 11? It's talking about the fathers of the faith. Uh, we see it right here. Women received their dead raised to life again. So let's go to the earth, uh, earthly ministry of Jesus. Three people are recorded as raised from the dead. And I believe there was more. How many of y'all believe there was more? This is just what's recorded. In Luke 7, 11 through 15, it says, Now it happened. The day after that he went into the city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. So he so he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. And Luke eight, forty one and forty two, and behold, there came a man named Jairus. This might be my favorite one. I preached on this many times. I love this story. It says, And he was a ruler of the synagogue and fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him to come to his house, for he had only a daughter he had An only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, multitudes thronged him. Remember, all the people come in. he He thinks that Jesus is being distracted. And then it says in verse 49, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered and said, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. You know how it records in Mark's gospel. He got all the dishonor out of the room. Remember that? They were laughing, cutting jokes. He said, get him out of the room. I'm telling you, honor unlocks honor. It says, do not, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead, but he, but he put them all outside. It says here, too, took her by the hand and calling, called, her, saying, little girl, arise. Then the spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. But there were actually more. Um, what did I write here? But there were actually more than, than during the time when it, while he was still on the earth. Like I said before, I mean, I believe there were more when Jesus walked the earth. In Matthew 27 and verse 52 and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. you see that? That's in Matthew's gospel. So there's more than, than just these three. So then in the book of Acts, if we count the apostle Paul himself after he was stoned in Lystra, uh, there are, again, three concrete examples of people who were raised from the dead in the days of the early church. So let's go ahead and read these because we're in Bible school. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. We're going to have resurrection faith tonight as we leave here. In Acts 9:36, at Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. I think I like Tabitha better. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did, but it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room, and since Lida was Lida, whatever Lida. You say Lida, you say Lida, was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the wid- widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. They were just, they were reminiscing. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. In Acts 14, verses 19 and 20, then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, And having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas and Derbe. Acts twenty nine through 10. And in a widow and in a window sat a certain young man named Udicus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking... He fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him, said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. But think of this for a moment. All of those people who were raised from the dead under the Old and New Covenant eventually died again. I mean, you all know the, the Jairus' daughter? She eventually died, even though she was raised to life when she was 12 years old. Their resurrection were temporary. They were raised, and then they lived a normal life, and eventually all of them died again. There's only one resurrection of the one who did not die again, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there had never been a resurrection of Christ from the dead, Jesus' sacrificial death of the cross never could have brought brought the life of God to you and me, but Christ was raised from the dead, having tasted death for all men. We see that in Hebrews 2 and verse 9. He sees the keys of hell and the grave. In Revelations 1.18, he conquered death once and for all. In Romans 6.10, you can see it in 2 Timothy 1.10 as well. And Christ never died again, nor will he ever die again. This is such an amazing truth for us to fully grasp. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, the Apostle Paul stated this foundational principle that we're focusing on with perfect clarity. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This is truly the cornerstone of our faith. How many of y'all believe that? That is the cornerstone of our faith. There is many people that died on the cross. Now, they... They may have uh, done it thinking of themselves, but Jesus thought of you and me. There's people that were whipped. There was people that were flogged. There was people that had all the things that Jesus had, but none of them were raised on the third day and is still alive today. Amen? This is truly the cornerstone of our faith. Someone may ask, isn't the cross the cornerstone, but thousands and thousands of people were crucified over the years. Only one was raised from the dead. If Jesus had died... But there had been no resurrection, he would not have a living faith. It is his resurrection that is truly the cornerstone of our faith. And it's important to understand that after the resurrection, the reality of that event was verified multiple times. Jesus' resurrection was affirmed when he appeared ten different times to different individuals and groups of people. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to the other women. We see the, y'all can go and look at these. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to the 10 disciples all at once. He appeared to the 11 disciples. Eight days later, he appeared to seven disciples at the sea of Tiberias. On one occasion, Jesus appeared to 500 people. They all saw him. In fact, when Paul wrote about that, he said many of them were still alive and could still testify about it at, at the time of his writing. He appeared to James, the Lord's brother. At the moment of his ascension, he had appeared to the 11 apostles. Jesus appeared over and over again after his resurrection. This is most likely not the full list because of Acts 1-3. Luke wrote this. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of 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 the things pertaining to the king's kingdom of God. This word, them, where it says, um, seen by them, it's plural, but it's talking about multiple appearances and a vast number of people who saw him, and it was proof to all that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead. Three future resurrections. In John chapter 5... Jesus said that there would uh, be separate resurrections in the future for two different groups of people. In fact, Pastor Robert uh, talked a little bit about uh, one of these, I believe, in the seven Hebrew feasts. Didn't you? I believe you did. In John chapter 5 and verse 28, it says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice. And come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you which one I want. Right? So there's going to be a resurrection for those who are righteous. In other words, for those who are saved by their faith in the redemptive work of Jesus. But Jesus also told us of another resurrection that would occur for those who had done evil. He calls it the resurrection of damnation. This truth about the coming resurrection for two groups of people is taught throughout Scripture, but when, when will these future resurrections take place? We're going to go through Scripture point by point to answer that question and prove how we can know this to be true. First, there will be a resurrection for the saved. This resurrection will occur simultaneously with what is commonly called the rapture of the church. Who believes in the rapture of the church? If you don't, I'll talk you into it right now, all right? That is the first resurrection which will actually happen in the future. When Jesus comes for the church, if you and I have already died, we will be raised from the dead to meet the Lord first in the air. Everyone who, who has died in Christ will be raised from the dead at the moment of, of the rapture, and if we are still alive on the earth, we will be next, caught up in the air to meet the Lord. We read this this morning. Let's read it again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For if if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that would be me, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Remember, we studied that word this morning, descend. That means he's coming from here. And he's coming down here. And he's coming with a shout. With, there it is. With the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God and the dead. What is he doing? He is calling. He is the king that is calling together the order. He is getting the ones in the earth. He's getting the ones on the earth. And he's bringing heavenly uh, angels with him to bring order. Because he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. With the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. I've always said this. I hope I'm in a room full of reprobates when the rapture happens because I'm going to grab them by the hand as we're going up. I'm going to say, this is your last chance. Look how far it is down there to give your life to the Lord. Second, there is another resurrection for the righteous in Christ beyond the rapture. This resurrection will occur at the end of one tribulation, and it will be for those who died as martyrs for their faith in Christ during the tribulation. The Bible tells us that at the end of the tribulation, they will be raised from the dead. But I ain't waiting for that. Right? Revelations 20 and verse 4, it says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until their thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such... Over such, the second death has no power. There, you see it. Death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Third, there is a final resurrection of the dead. The final resurrection will be for the unrighteous, those who never received Jesus as their Savior and Lord. It's what Jesus called a resurrection into damnation. This resurrection would occur at the very end of the millennial reign of Christ on the earth, just before the great white throne judge of judgment in Revelations twenty eleven through fifteen, which we will talk about more next week. So there are three separate resurrections that will occur in the future: two for the righteous and one for the unrighteous. The first resurrection, the rapture of the church. The first resurrection will happen simultaneously with the rapture of the church. The Apostle Paul wrote about it there in First Thessalonians 4.14. Let's read verse 16. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Notice what he says in verse 16. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is a declaration of the resurrection of the righteous at the moment of the rapture. The dead will be raised first, then we who are alive on the earth at the time will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will ever be with the Lord. That is the moment we call the rapture. In First Thessalonians 4.18, it goes on to say, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This knowledge is intended to comfort and strengthen God's people. This is not to scare people, but this is to comfort people. Amen? Especially in the world we live in today. This knowledge is intended to, uh, that there is a future resurrection of the righteous when Jesus Christ comes again to receive his church. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53, Paul affirmed again this resurrection of the righteous that will happen at the moment of the rapture. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must be put on immorality, uh, immortality. In Philippians 3, 20 through 21, Paul once, uh, once more referred to this first resurrection. For our citizenship is in heaven. Come on. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Believers of every generation have been waiting for Jesus to return anticipating the rapture of the church but Paul went on to tell us what will happen simultaneously with that event. When the righteous are resurrected, they are going to re- receive new, glorified, resurrected bodies that will be like Jesus' resurrected body. Consider what we know about Jesus' body after his resurrection. He could effortlessly effortlessly move from one place to another. He could walk through the walls you can read about that in John 20, verses 19. He could do things that he couldn't have done in his natural body. And how do we receive our resurrected bodies? Either by being raised from the dead or being raptured at the sound of heaven's trumpet. Both categories of believers will instantaneously receive the same glorified body. Are you all ready for a new one? Amen. In our resurrected bodies, there will be no sickness, no infirmity, no problems. We will be everything we always wish we could be because we will be just like Jesus. I'm y'all ready for some new knees. Hallelujah. We can have new knees now. Amen. What a day it will be when the dead, corruptible bodies of those who have died in Christ become miraculously incorruptible. And we who are alive and are mortal, in the twinkling of an eye, will will change and put on immortality. Isn't that good? Thank you, Lord, for the Scriptures. The the second resurrection, the resurrection of the righteous. The Bible is very clear about the first resurrection of the righteous that occurs with the rapture. But Scripture also reveals that there will be a second resurrection of the righteous, which occurs at the end of the tribulation. This future event is found in Revelation twenty. 4 through 5. And I saw thrones, and they and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received his mark and foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. In this verse we find two resurrections. First, the, the second resurrection of the righteous at the end of the tribulation. Then verse five goes on to say, "The rest of the dead lived not again, or they were not raised to life again until the thousand years were finished, in other words, just before the great white throne of, of judgment. And we'll talk about uh, oh we'll talk about this third resurrection next. In fact, I'll talk about a little bit about that next week. But Pastor Robert, you talked about that, didn't you? In the seven Hebrew feast? I thought you did. The word at my throne. That's right. The third resurrection, the resurrection of the unrighteous. Let's look again at Revelation 20 and verse 5. But the rest of the dead live not again until the end of the thousand years were finished. Who are the rest of the dead referred to here? By the end of the tribulation, everyone. Who has died in faith will have already been resurrected, and all the righteous will be in heaven to partake of the marriage supper of the Lamb and to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive rewards. We can see that in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10. And when Jesus returns to set up the millennial reign on the earth, the righteous will come with him to form the government of his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years. This is what the Bible tells us. Then at the very end of the millennial reign of Christ, the rest of the dead, the unrighteous who did not die in faith, will be summoned out of their graves. Revelations 20, 12 through 15 tells us about this third and final resurrection. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In this final resurrection, the unsaved will be summoned to be judged before the great white throne of judgment. Those who are in Christ will not stand before the great white throne for judgment. The Bible clearly teaches that unsaved people are destined for the fire of an eternal hell. And we will dis- we'll- we'll discuss this more next week. I realize it is no longer considered culturally correct to say that unsaved people will go to hell. But this is what the Bible teaches. And we are obligated to speak the truth about it. It's crucial that we understand that there is a future judgment of the unsaved. Because none of us wants anyone to experience that. The revelation of this truth will ignite our hearts. This is why it's so important. I hope you're beginning to see why this is a fundamental teaching. And this is an elementary teaching that gets on the inside of you. To share this with loved ones. To share this with coworkers. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> the revelation of this truth will ignite our hearts to obey God more fully regarding our responsibility as believers. We are to share the saving news of Jesus Christ and to ask the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of the spiritually blind so they can come to Christ and avoid this final judgment that will happen at the end of the millennial reign. We need to know what the Bible says about the resurrection of the dead because it is a foundational doctrine to our faith. It's crucial for us to understand that regardless of whether people have accepted or rejected Jesus Christ, every person who has ever lived is going to be raised in one of these resurrections to come. As for us, it's certain that if Jesus tarries his coming, there there will be a funeral in our future. And if there's a funeral in our future, it is essential for us to confidently know what lies beyond our funeral or the time of our death, the time of our passing from this earth. Thank God for the anchor of hope he has given us that for those of us who die in Christ, a glorious resurrection awaits. Jesus was the first fruits and the divine guarantee that there would be a great harvest of his people resurrected after him and the hope of that glorious event that lies ahead is not in the not, not too distant future. How many of y'all believe that? Yeah. Including you and me. Next week, we have actually a uh, life challenge graduation here. But the week after that, we'll pick it up. The doctrine of eternal judgment. How many of y'all learned something tonight? How I many y'all see the vital importance of the resurrection in us? We don't have to fear. Amen? We don't have to fear death uh, because there is no sting in death, and he has taken it out of it. Amen? God, we thank you for this word tonight. Thank you, Lord. I pray, God, that uh, it gets—I pray for revelation in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that it gets inside of uh, us so clearly, God— that there is a heaviness on us to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with our neighbors, with our loved ones, that we see this homecoming that we've we been believing God for, uh, to our kids, to our grandkids. I pray, Lord that, uh, uh, Lord, that you would open up doors, and God, that through the Spirit of God, the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I pray, Lord, that we'd be bold to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, We would not walk in fear, but we'd walk in victory. We'd walk in faith. And, Lord, that you would move mountains. And, God, I just pray that, uh, uh, Lord, that you would reveal it to us. Reveal it to these families in here, God, as they begin to um, uh, walk in that boldness and in that revelation uh, that that you've done tonight. In Jesus' name, And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, we'll see you this Sunday. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, And follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.